I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Hey there, today we are talking about using your online words for good. Social media has been an incredible way to stay connected with family and friends online. However, over the last six months, the landscapes of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram have become a bit treacherous. People are shaming and yelling at one another, and as a result, we are seeing relationships with friends and even family members become strained. This week, I talked with Daniel Darling, the author of A Way With Words, Using Our Online Conversations for Good, because I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into why we are seeing this happening. I also wanted to, outside of the advice to just be kind, find out how we could interact online in a way that represents our values. A big part of a company's culture is how they choose to interact with people. Typically, they create standards on how they will treat their employees and the ways that their employees will respond to customers. When it comes to their online presence, they decide ahead of time what they'll post, what they won't post, and how they want their followers to feel after interacting with their brand. After my conversation with Daniel, I realized it's probably not a bad idea for my family to do the same, to set standards for how we will not only interact with one another at home, but how we will also interact with other people online. I think it would be a valuable lesson for us as grown-ups, but it will also lay a healthy foundation for our kids, because who knows how the online space is going to evolve as they get older. If after you listen to this episode, you think that you want to do the same, set some standards for your family and make them a part of your culture, go to the show notes and download a resource I've created with questions to ask yourself before you post. Plus, there'll be a few other questions in there, ones that will help you determine how you want to show up online. If you get my weekly newsletter, it'll be in there too. Then let's talk more about this on Instagram and in the Build Your Best Family community group. I'd love to know, do you have a method for figuring out what you're going to post online or do you just do what feels right in that moment? And also, what are you teaching your kids about posting online? Do you want to know what your kids really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet so you can find out and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's a 360 peer review, but for families. Not only does it include assessment questions, but a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions so you can make a fun weekend out of it. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop, and for only $4.99, you can download your copy. Today, I'm talking with Daniel Darling. Daniel is the Senior Vice President for Communications at NRB National Religious Broadcasters. For six years, he served as Vice President for Communications for the ERLC, an entity of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dan is a best-selling author and host of a popular weekly podcast, The Way Home, where he interviews Christian leaders, politicians, and journalists. He holds a bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry from Day Spring Bible College and is a graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dan and his wife, Angela, have four children and reside in the Nashville area. They attend Green Hill Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, where Dan serves as pastor of teaching and discipleship. Welcome, Daniel. It is fantastic to have you on the podcast today. 
Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on here and just glad to come and chat. Yeah. So a question that we ask all of our guests is what is your family known for? What is my family known for? Huh? Interesting. Um, like my immediate family. Yeah. So like we, your, your people. Yeah. So we have four children. So my, my oldest is 15 and my youngest is not uh, almost nine, three girls and a boy. We have a lot of fun. We like to hang out together. Uh, we like to travel, you know, we go on vacations. We like history. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a bit of a history nerd and our kids have kind of become that too. So we love American history. Go to, we've yeah. been to Boston and all that. We've been to um, Gettysburg. We've been to a number of places. We'll probably go to DC this year. Yeah. Have you done Philadelphia? We like that. We have not done Philadelphia. We That's want to fun. do that though. That's yeah. on our list. We've enjoyed Philadelphia. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So you're here today to talk to us about your book. And this book deals with how we have conversations online with everybody. Now, I know that I have talked to numerous friends and just hearing the stories about family members that are literally at odds right now because of the stuff that we're talking about online, what they're posting, what they're saying, what they're doing, what's happening you know, in the world around us. And I'm finding this even amongst Christians, we're having this problem about what we what we're doing online and how it's affecting everybody. So I've talked to us more about that. Well, I think there's a couple of things that are happening. You know, obviously um, we live in a time when it's never been easier to communicate. I mean, with a few taps of our thumbs or strokes of our keyboard, we can send a message to the world. Um, In many ways, this is good, right? I mean, we can, um, you know, elevate voices that may not have been heard before we can discover new things and new ideas. Um, we can, we can mobilize people for fundraising and for good causes, uh, but there's also a downside to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's a lot of conversation right now about screen time and, you know, uh, social media Sabbath and all that. And I think those are good and important. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking what I'm saying is, look, we live in the 21st century. These platforms are going to be here to stay. Mm-hmm. The internet's not going away. Um, and we're not going to suddenly become Amish. <laughs> yeah. This is where conversations are happening. So for Christians, how do we steward this moment? And how do we steward our words well online? Mm-hmm. And I do actually think the scripture has a lot to say about our words. I mean, we... Uh, you know, the Bible, uh, sorry, Christianity is a uh, religion of words, of communication. We have a God who spoke the world into existence. We have the written word of God, God speaking to us. He's created us to be communicating beings. And part of the things that separates, part of the things that separate us from the rest of creation is how well we communicate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. animals communicate on a rudimentary level, right? If you have a pet, they they can let you know a few things, but you know, uh, an animal's not going to write a novel, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what separates us. And so this is why the Bible has a lot to say about our words and, and how we use them. And they can, in a fallen world, they can either bring life or bring death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So motivation plays a significant factor in why we post what we post. So give us some ideas about how we can keep that in check and how we can start to identify like what we're posting, why we're posting. Well, I think there's a few things we need to think about. Um, 
James 1.19 talks about let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think in the internet age, we might say let everyone be quick to read the whole story, um, <laughs> slow to post, slow to internet rage. Um, and, you know, I think we have to ask ourselves a few things before we post online. First of all, um, why am I doing this? What is my motivation? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it genuinely because I want to speak up on behalf of uh, some vulnerable people? I want to speak out and declare the truth, which I think we should. Mm-hmm. Or is it because I'm trying to get a rise out of people? I'm trying to own somebody or I'm trying to signal to some group that I'm with them or, or whatever. Um, the, other thing, the other things we should ask ourselves are, is this. Do I understand that I'm in public? Mm. So there's a weird thing about the internet that we both realize we're in public and then we forget. So we forget we're in public because, you know, we're sitting down behind our keyboard or phone and we're just saying things. But imagine if you have, even if you have 200 followers on Twitter, which is easy to do. Mm -hmm. Imagine a room of 200 people and you're on stage and you're talking to them. And you're looking in their face, how, what kind of language would you use? Now, now just imagine if you have 10,000 followers or 20 or 30 mm-hmm. or 100. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking stadiums, right? You would speak differently if you were, if you were addressing them, I hope, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing we need, so we're in public, but then we also, we forget we're in public, but then we also, we know we're in public. So there can kind of be a performative aspect that um, I'm not really this angry in real life, or I'm not really this put together on Instagram with my family, but I'm trying to curate an image of myself that I think is missing in real life. We have to ask ourselves, why are we trying to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think lastly, we should say, do I have all the information? Do I know what I'm talking about? Have I read everything? Um, am I using words in a way that, am I using redemptive words? It doesn't mean we're always positive and it doesn't mean, mm-hmm. you know, civility doesn't mean not speaking out or not speaking up. Uh, it doesn't mean sometimes having to be bold or confrontational. We do. I mean, you look through the scriptures, mm-hmm. the prophets did, and uh, David did in the Psalms, and Paul was. But we also, we also should recognize the humanity of the people with whom we disagree. You know, First Peter says uh, to have an answer for every person for the hope that lies within you. So speak up, speak up for the, speak up for the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid, have courage. But then he says, but do it with gentleness and kindness. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea that civility and courage can't go together. But the truth is they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loudest person in the room is not the most brave, right? right. Courage doesn't always mean we have to use all caps. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think those are things we need to think about when we interact online. Mm-hmm. Well, I know years ago, I challenged myself when I first started getting on social media to look at my motivations. And when I found, for instance, just so just socially, if I was posting on Facebook, trying to show people that I was doing this thing and that thing, I was like, oh, is that really what I want to be doing? And so I'm pretty mindful of that. And so it is really important to keep your motivations in check, because at the end of the day, for me, it was about trying to fill myself up and make myself feel valid or valuable or worthy. Oh, I don't want to get into that trap. Then you start getting invested in the likes and the mentions and the the comments. And it's just a tenuous place to be. And it's not a great place to be rooted in for sure. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, and I think, 
you know, we're in a very tense time right now. We we're during the election. So elections are always like this. Mm -hmm. This is, this is an even more highly charged election, just given the nature of Mm -hmm. the candidates Mm -hmm. and their personalities. Uh, We're also in the midst of a pandemic where people's way of life has been disrupted either through Mm -hmm. getting sick or having to close down their business or having to stay home or kids missing school or parents juggling remote school and work. And we have racial tension. Some parts of the country have had natural disasters, whether it's fires or tornadoes. So all that to the mix, add all that to the mix, people tensions are very, very high. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think this is a time for Christians to take a deep breath. And even though we interact online and we, we post, it's great. I think we just need to remember that we are Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we are in the political space and we're making arguments, we are still Christians mm-hmm. uh, and we should speak with a distinctly Christian voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you have mentioned a few scriptures and what the Bible says about our words, but I know that you have quite a few listed in your book. So why don't you just give us three that you want to share with us? Three. Three. You, you have a section where you talk about what the Bible says about speech. So give us some. Just a few pointers that we need yeah, to know. That's a, that's a great point. So first of all, we know throughout the scripture, the Bible um, commends good speech, like the right words, the right kind of speech. You know, I think mm-hmm. of the Proverbs where it says it's like apples of gold and pictures of silver or something like that, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, using the right kind of words. And so not just, um, saying things, but using the right kind of words. I think secondly, the Bible really, you know, there, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, he just says what he thinks and he just speaks his mind. Really, that's not a Christian concept, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, we should just speak, speak our minds. Um, we should, we should filter it, not because we're being politically correct or because we're scared, but because we want to um, use words that can persuade, that can sometimes rebuke, but words that are, are, are good and wholesome. Uh, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. You might say, mm-hmm. let no, no unwholesome words come out of your thumbs or your, <laughs> or your keyboard. Um, and then I think there's a lot that the Bible talks about when it comes to um, um, uh, confrontational words right? A soft answer turns away anger. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't always happen. And sometimes we need hard words. Paul had very strong polemical words for the Corinthians and for others. But you notice when he, when he delivered his rebukes, he always surrounded it with encouragement and how much he loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of Paul's words to Timothy when he is urging this young pastor, his protege, to stand firm in the faith, hold on to the things that have been passed down to you, uh, speak up against false teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also urging him to do it in a humble way, a brokenhearted way. Uh, it's interesting to me, too, that in every category of qualifications for spiritual leadership that you find in first Timothy and Titus and some in Ephesians. 
you know, we typically look at the, dis- the things that disqualify spiritual leaders, things like, you know, um, moral failure, which is absolutely true. And we should not hesitate to have that as a quality or a character trait because the Bible does. However, in every one of those lists are things like gentleness. Uh, leaders should not be quarrelsome, not brawlers. Sometimes Paul mentions it two, three, four times mm-hmm. in each thing. And yet we kind of dismiss that, you know, a a pastor or a spiritual leader or anybody in Christian ministry who is endlessly quarrelsome. And I'm not talking about having good discussions back and forth Mm -hmm. and having important debates and, but I'm talking endlessly quarrelsome, petty, Mm -hmm. trying to trap people trying to catch people, trying to be kind of this gotcha. Can you believe what you heard? You know, what these people are doing this time. Paul says that's not a sign of spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a sign of, of, of God's grace working through your life. So I think we need to think about that. We dismiss that far too often. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you can be a troll online, you know, somebody who's endlessly just going after people. Mm-hmm. And also be immature Christian, mm-hmm. much less a spiritual leader. I mean, I see some of these folks who have pastor in their bio and I'm like, and how does that work? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's been interesting to see all of that unfold. I've heard people talk about brave conversations that we should be having. You can't necessarily have them online. We need to be having them in person with dialogue, a back and forth. And when you're trolling people online, you're not having an impact. Even if you are right, it doesn't matter because you've now made it almost impossible for there to be an exchange of information. Yeah, it's been, it's been fascinating to see that unfold and then how it's affect people in their real life. I think even in their real life, people are starting to clam up. They're either getting super confrontational or they're clamming up and not engaging with one another. And I think it's because of what they've seen online and they just don't want to go there. Yeah, I think so. And, and- I, I actually, in, I think we can have these public debates and even mm-hmm. hard conversations online. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we should disengage. This is where people are having their discussions. A few yeah. things we need to think about when we're doing that and ask ourselves when we're going to wade into something or we're going to speak mm-hmm. to something or have a kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think we first have to ask ourselves, is this, is this a controversy or conversation that is worth my time? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of discussions and arguments and debates that go on online that are worthy and good. I may actually have an opinion about it, but I have to say, is this worth the investment of my time? Do you know, is this, is this where I want to spend it? It may very well be. So if it is great. Number two, I think we have to ask ourselves, um, can I have this discussion in good faith? In other Mm -hmm. words, can we have a back and forth disagreement? And I have these all the time, you know, on Facebook, I'll say, you know, I don't know if that's, you're seeing this right. How about this? And you can have a good back and faith. They're on Twitter. But I, but I think we have to ask ourselves, is this in good faith? In other words, the person I'm having this discussion with, is this a good faith argument or is this someone that is just never going to be convinced or someone who just wants to argue and they're, you know, mm-hmm. after, at the end of it, we've not achieved anything. I think the third thing is 
am I keeping the humanity of the person I'm disagreeing with in full view? Yeah. So I'm disagreeing with them on politics or I'm correcting them on something, doctrine or whatever, and we're having a discussion. We have to remember that people are not the sum total of their arguments. They're not just reduced down to their, they may, they may be wrong. They may have a bad opinion. That's not mm-hmm. all, all there is to them. They're a whole person. Can I do that? And number, I think I'm on number four. Number four, <laughs> can I remember I'm in public with this disagreement? So when I'm disagreeing with someone on Facebook or Twitter, imagine myself on a debate stage with a, with a crowd watching. Mm-hmm. And if I was doing that, we'd have a pretty robust debate, but we would keep it civil because we're there with each other. We're seeing people. If we can do that, I think we could have some really good discussions, but I think it gives us a kind of filter for which ones do I engage in, which ones do I not? I think those are fantastic tips for sure. Because there's have, there's been times when I've typed something out and then I just backspace because I can't invest in this conversation. It's just not worth my time. And it's probably saved me some trouble <laughs> for yes. sure. Okay. So you say, so when it comes to Christian discernment in the news, you give six things that we can ask ourselves. So could you just share two with us? We don't have time to talk about all of them, but just share the top two important ones to consider. Yeah. If I can, if I can limit myself to two, I can tell you. So I (laughs) I think think the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, um, is this true? Um, Or do I just want it to be true? Mm -hmm. So all of us have what, what's called confirmation bias. We, mm-hmm. we read stuff that we want to be true. So if I'm a conservative Republican, I'm more apt to want to receive and believe stuff that makes the Democrats look terrible. Mm-hmm. If I'm a progressive, I'm more apt to read stuff that makes Republicans look terrible or you know, evangelical Christians or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to question our biases and be skeptical and we have to ask ourselves, do I have the whole story? Mm-hmm. Um, I advise people to read articles, not headlines. Read articles, not headlines. Headlines are written by folks who want to get you to click. Mm-hmm. Read the whole story. Um, secondly, um, should I, you know, like I encourage folks to wait, wait 24 hours. See how this, especially on complicated things, like kind of like, complicated stories or narratives or whatever, wait a couple days to see how it plays out. We've seen this in the last few years. Like everyone jumps on a story. Everyone crushes somebody they think is doing some terrible thing. And then you find out 24 hours, actually half of it's true. None of it's true. Mm -hmm. There is no reason that we have to have an opinion on everything right away. There's this pressure. We, We think we do, right? But think about this. 20 years ago, nobody knew what some random person five states away thought about a global crisis. You know, they yeah. weren't putting out statements. And this idea that you have to be as mad as me at the same time as me, about the same issue as me, on the same platform as me, is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you, you can wait. And we need to ignore everyone that's saying, you got to speak out, you got to say. Now, there are times we need to speak out when we know everything. But I think that if we, if we wait, that saves us from embarrassing ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I think no matter where you get your news from, it it takes days for a lot of things to come to light and to just make quick decisions within hours of hearing about something is is tricky. 
no matter who you're subscribing to. We've seen it over and over again. There's facts that come out after a week, after two weeks, and then those are never discussed, no matter what the event is. That's a good one. That whole pause, type the email, put it aside before you hit send. That advice is just beneficial in so many different realms and so many different areas. Get your thoughts out there and then wait, sit on it. Do you really want to say that? Do you have all the information? It's definitely takes a lot of patience and self-control. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, that doesn't mean we never engage. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear people say, I'm just not going to, I'm just, I'm just going to back. I I don't do social media. And I I think for some people that might be good for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think we have to have a, we have to be thinking about it, thinking about what we're doing constantly and remembering that. The, The other thing that we need to think about as well is, you know, there are like, news bubbles and we have to be careful not to be in a news bubble we need to read from a variety of sources across the spectrum mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i kind of think that there's like two basic news bubbles in this country with confirmation bias and we only want to believe what confirms that in you know i think twitter which i love as a medium is is, is mostly thought leaders and leaders it's kind of twitter's like the green room mm-hmm. And I love that. And there's a lot of influencers on there, but that's not real life. Mm -hmm. So the narratives and the conversations and the stories on there are really, really divorced from what average people are actually talking about. Mm, Yeah. Right. Facebook to me seems like the crowd. Mm. So if Twitter's the green room, Facebook's the crowd. And on Facebook, for the most part, there's the same thing. There's stories and narratives and things that people are talking about. That's kind of in a bubble. So I think we got to read across both, right? If you're yeah. a conservative, you can just only get news from conservatives if you're progressive. And I just think we have to just work hard to try to be wise about, you know, what we let ourselves believe, but also what we share and post. That makes yeah. sense. Where I found some of the most interesting conversations is, is within Facebook groups. Because mm, private people groups. are really able to share their experiences. Yes. I haven't found that in my normal Facebook feed because there's still a lot of tension there. There's still a lot of sharing of articles and sharing of memes. But in these Facebook groups, these people are going, this is what I experienced. This is what I went through. This is what my, my brother went through. This is what I saw in my family. And all of a sudden, the humanity is returned because it's almost we're all just sitting in a circle and talking. And so I found that to be really beneficial to hold up some of what I'm reading in these groups were just people sharing their stories that I don't even necessarily know. They're not my friends on Facebook, but they're people that I've created these relationships with around some sort of common interest, whether it's writing or having teenagers or podcasting or whatever it is. And, and that's been really beneficial for me to include into the mix because people's stories are important and people's experiences, they matter. And I think that helps to bring the humanity back to the conversation. I really agree with that. And I actually think this is why you see the rise of private groups. Mm-hmm. You know, people are realizing that not every conversation should be public and mm-hmm. there's a lot more freedom in our groups. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the things I, I talk to folks about and say, before you post something publicly, particularly on a controversial issue, something, you know, is going to be controversial, maybe workshop it a little bit in your community. So mm-hmm. I have a text thread of five friends that we've been, this thread's been going on for probably five years, six years, you know, Mm -hmm. it's great. And we share our hottest takes and our ideas in there. 90% that doesn't see the light of day. (laughs) 
but it's good because you get feedback from friends and am I seeing this right? And, and by that time, your passions have cooled a little bit mm. to the point where you can then kind of have a good formed opinion to, to interact online. I think private groups just offer safety, you know, that mm-hmm. we can work these things out. And um, there's a lot of our discussions are so fraught with tension that people are afraid to ask questions online because they're going to be shamed or embarrassed or canceled. Mm-hmm. And so I think having these discussions, um, you know, privately is really helpful and mm-hmm. good and productive. Yeah. So yeah. Provided well, last- they don't leak out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I have one last question for you. I don't know if we've already answered it, but you might have a different answer. So what is one step that our listeners can do right now to start using their conversations online and in their family for good? I mean, I love the idea of this text thread. I mean, to me, that's, that's a great one, but I don't know if you have another one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think I have a text thread where you're conversing with people to save your, save yourself from embarrassing yourself online. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. I also think let's use these platforms for good. We talk about all the negative and the toxicity, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I mean, I do think the platforms incentivize that, but that's okay. We don't have to, we can, we can push against the stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's ways to bring, we got to ask us, how can I bring joy to mm-hmm. somebody on social media? There's very simple ways we can do this. Um, if you read an article that you really like, figure out a way to communicate that to that person, whether it's sharing it, go send them an email if you can mm-hmm. find their email or send them a private message. And you would be surprised. I mean, those of us who are writers, we love getting those emails. I got an mm-hmm. email this morning from someone who saw me on TV and said, I really like what you said. It was very encouraging. Uh, I've got people say, I read your book, this or that. I listen to your podcast. Do that. And I tr- I've been trying to do that the last few years. You know, private message or send say, hey, man, like I read this thing or I appreciate your voice and I'm great. I want to encourage you to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you're scrolling through Twitter or Facebook, don't just react to negatively to things you disagree with. Maybe go through and affirm things that are good. If someone posts something really good, say, hey, I really enjoy this. I really appreciate mm-hmm. this. Uh, you mm-hmm. did this well. I also think let's not be afraid to give credit to people who we might disagree with. Mm, Let's set an example, right? So I am very conservative politically and theologically, but in the last two weeks, I said some, I said a couple kind things about vice president Biden. A couple things he said, I just said, thank Mm -hmm. you for saying this. Mm -hmm. Um, People know me, know I'm conservative. I don't think, I don't think you're going to, you lose anything by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people I disagree with theologically that I will try to find a way to affirm and say, what you said here was great or what you said here mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. It's really okay. Yeah. If you're progressive and you don't like the president or the Republicans, find some good things to say about the person you disagree with. Mm-hmm. Let's not be zero somewhere. It's, it's all negative all the time. Um, and just, I also think we should find a way to not take ourselves so seriously online. Find ways to lighten up and be funny and humorous and mm-hmm. joke and talk about frivolous things, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay to do that. I think the Bible says that um, laughter is the best medicine. Like, there's something, I think, scientifically healing when we laugh, when we joke. Mm-hmm. And so, 
we don't have to have a furrowed brow all the time online. We can, we can have fun too. So yeah. I think those are some things that, that can bring joy to the space where a lot of people are interacting. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. We can affirm those that we disagree with. We 100% can. And I think the Bible tells us to do that. I mean, we're supposed mm-hmm. to be encouragers. We're supposed to be light. And I do love getting online and talking about the things that I am excited about and what I am for rather than spending a lot of time talking about what I'm against. It gets exhausting. <laughs> and learning how to talk positively about some of the things we're encountering is, is needful too. I think people need to see the positive, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think also, let's remember as Christians, let's share a good gospel word of encouragement. You know, if my timeline is all politics or all news, mm-hmm. and I, it's all I'm talking about, Let's, let's share a word of hope. You don't know who's, yeah. who's reading or watching or let's share good things we've enjoyed. If there's a book that we loved or if there's a, yeah. a talk or an article that really inspired us to, you know, in our faith, piece of art, whatever, mm-hmm. music, um, let's do that too. And, and I just think it doesn't always have to be arguments and statements and declarations. We mm-hmm. can also share a word of hope. We're in public. We just you know, we don't know who's watching and maybe we share something that really has caused someone to ask questions about the Christian faith. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for all of your insight and for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's been a joy and podcasts like this are part of the online conversations for good. Yeah. So I think, I I think you're contributing to that. You can find Daniel at DanielDarling.com and at AwayWithWordsBook.com. He's also on Twitter as Dan Darling and on Facebook as Daniel M. Darling. I'll link to all of this in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong, too. You can find me at at Kimberly Amici, and you can find the podcast at at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.